0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Hebrews 11 and 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, to connect with God, to receive from God. In Luke 18, Jesus said, when the Son of Man uh, returns or comes, will he really find faith in the earth? Now, what Jesus is saying is what he's looking for is faith. Smith Wigglesworth said that God will pass over a million people to get to one person with faith. Now, we're going to look tonight at a woman that Jesus complimented her faith. In fact, he gave her the greatest compliment he gave anyone. In Matthew 15 and 28, Jesus said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. The Greek... He literally said, mega is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And this woman had great faith, mega faith. And Jesus said, your request is granted. Now, if you look at Jesus' ministry throughout the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus very often attributes people's deliverance and healing to the faith of the recipient. Now, obviously, Jesus healed them, right? But he said, your faith has made you well. And Jesus, he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Luke 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Somebody says, what kind of power was it? Well, we know from Mark 5 what kind of power it was. Jesus is in a crowd. A woman with an issue of blood comes up behind him because she says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. She touches Jesus' clothes. The Bible says immediately Jesus felt, some of your translations say power, others say virtue, went out of him. She felt the power go into her. Jesus felt the power go out of him. So what did the power do? It healed her. So what kind of power was he anointed with? Healing power. Jesus would say, but your faith has made you well. Or your faith has healed you. To two blind men, to a leper, to the woman with the issue of blood, to blind Bartimaeus. To others, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So Jesus attributes healing to the recipient's faith. Even that woman with the issue of blood, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Right? Well, was it Jesus' healing power? Yes. But was it her faith? Jesus says, yes. He t- she touched. Healing power came in. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So really, we can say when it comes to healing, there's two sides. There's a divine side. There's got to be the healing power. right? But there also be the human side. There has to be faith. Without faith, there, the, the healing power will not function. In fact, in Luke chapter 5, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he, Jesus, was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way by which they could bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the rooftop and let him down through the tiling right in front of Jesus. So the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Teachers, doctors, the law, Pharisees, from all the towns, they're right there. But not one of them got healed. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but none of them were healed. Instead, somebody who comes from the outside, a paralytic, whose four friends bring him on his bed, climb on the roof and let him down in front of Jesus. That man is healed. No, this is what the Bible says. It says when he saw their faith. When he saw their faith. All right? Although the power of the Lord was present, the power of the Lord did not heal those that did not have the faith to be healed. So if there's no faith, there's no healing. If there's no power, there's no healing, right? It's almost like there's a dance. Now, I don't know a lot about dancing, but I know it takes two, <laughs> right? And when we, in this dance, God leads and we follow, right? Now, faith is not doing what you want to do and asking God to bless it. That's what a lot of people think faith is. It's just doing what you want and say, God, bless this. You know I like in Numbers 14, uh, the children of Israel have disobeyed God and God said, Now go back into the into the desert. But the Bible says they presumed to go up to the hills, to the top. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses did not depart from the camp. And the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites who dwelt in the hills and smote them and disconfited them, literally defeated them, as far as Horam. Now they presumed to go up. And they said, God, bless what we're doing, bless what we're doing. But God's plan was for him to go in a different direction. And sometimes what we do is we don't find out God. Here's what we do. We just do what we want to do and say, God, bless it. What we should do is find out what God wants because it's already blessed. So we're going to talk about this woman who Jesus said, woman, great. Mega is your faith. Jesus was impressed by this woman. And literally that word mega, it means the best the greatest, the top of the heap. Jesus is saying, "This woman has got great faith." You know, and Jesus regularly commented on people's faith. I was just reading reading uh, this afternoon where Jesus said, "Where is your faith?" He's like, "Where did you? where did it go?" They're like, "I don't know. I lost it someplace." You know, Jesus. Jesus said, "You know, little. You got little faith." But he also talked about great faith. And the highest compliment Jesus ever gave was to this woman, right? And literally, the Bible does not give us her name, all right? So we're just going to call her mega-faith woman, all right? I like her. So here we go, Matthew 15, 25. Then Jesus went hence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. That would be today in part of Lebanon. And behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same country. And cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil or a demon. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not meat or right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And I want you to notice that Jesus called healing the children's bread, the believer's bread. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to who? her, "O oh, woman, mega is your faith. Be it unto you, Even as you will, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So Jesus leaves what would be considered Israel, goes up into southern Lebanon, into the area of the Phoenicians. They were known in that part of the world as being great, great sailors. But there were a lot of Jewish people that were there. A lots of Jews were there, and Jesus is sent to the Jewish people. He sent is their Messiah. But this woman is a Phoenician. She's not part of the covenant that God had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But her daughter is tormented by an evil spirit, and she hears about Jesus because his fame has gone ahead of him. And she hears that he has performed miracles, that blind people have been healed, that lepers have been cleansed, lame people have been healed. The dead have been raised. Demons have been cast out. And he has authority over evil spirits. And she finds out he is in that area and she finds him. And she prays a very, very nice prayer, right, which literally becomes known as the Jesus prayer later. He says, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Now, she's recognizing him as King David's descendant, the Messiah. It's a messianic title, son of David. And she says, look, my daughter is in need of deliverance. She needs healing. And if you've read much of the Gospels, you expect Jesus to heal her, to say, well, bring your daughter. Or to say something like, only believe. But that's not what happens. In fact, the Bible says that he answers her, not a word. So she's prayed, she's come, but when she finishes her prayer, Jesus doesn't say anything. It it even looks like indifference. And at this point, we don't know why. I want to just ask you a question. Have you ever prayed and prayed a prayer that you really thought God would answer and the result was like silence nothing happened Jesus literally ignored her I mean he it looks like he's pretending that she's not even there right there is no answer right and how many of you know when there's no answer it can be very disheartening let me just say this don't judge somebody's faith as a failure because it doesn't receive an immediate answer This woman does not get an immediate answer. But does she have faith? She's got mega faith. She doesn't just have faith. She has mega faith. But what very often happens is we either judge our own selves as being faithless or we judge other people as not having faith because there's not an immediate answer. Somebody who was looking on may have said, you know, well, Jesus didn't answer her because she didn't have any faith. Let me just say this faith does not work on your clock. Okay. Anthony Flew was born in 1923, the son of very prominent Methodist pastors. They sent him as he entered his puberty, his teenage years, they sent him to a prominent private school founded by John Wesley. And their hope was that Anthony would literally become a minister in the Episcopal Church, or excuse me, in the Methodist Church. And at age 15, as he's studying at a school founded by John Wesley. John Wesley was one of the greatest evangelists of the 18th century. He becomes an atheist. And he starts to argue with his friends and with his teachers. And he's arguing against the existence of God. Now, he was brilliant. He ended up, he goes to Oxford, and at the Socratic Club in Oxford, on multiple occasions, he debates C.S. Lewis. How many have heard of C.S. Lewis? Right. Now, he was considered the greatest Christian apologist of the 20th century. Now, by the way, an apologist is not somebody who apologizes for being a Christian. It's somebody who defends the Christian faith all right, and the existence of God. But he debates on multiple occasions C.S. Lewis. Right. And he literally becomes, over time, the leading intellectual atheist of the world. He becomes famous, wrote over 40 books and papers against the existence of God. Right. Now, can you imagine his, past, his parents? His parents have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He is a PK. He is a pastor's kid. And again, their hope was that he was going to follow in his parents' shoes right? People probably talked and said, you know, must be something wrong with those flus because look at how Anthony turned out. I mean, he is an atheist, not just an atheist, but he is the leading intellectual atheist in the world. And his parents prayed and prayed and died praying for Anthony flu. Now in his last book that he wrote, I have a copy right here. The title is, let me see if you can see this, there is no God and no is scratched out and it has an A. There is a God. Now, what happened was when Anthony Flew was confronted with the DNA evidence and he just looked at the DNA, human DNA, and looked at the literal impossibility that it could have happened by chance. He said, I was wrong. He said, this is impossible. It is impossible that this could happen by chance. He said, there has to be a God. So in his 80s, he writes a book. There is no crossed out. There is a God. And the appendix of the book is written by Bishop N.T. Wright and is arguing for the divinity of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And literally, Anthony Flew, For in the end, we'll probably do more to turn people to God than if he had been a pastor all of his life. And don't tell me God didn't answer his parents' prayers. Because he did. He did. It didn't happen on the timetable that some of us would have liked to have seen it, all right? But God answered their prayers even after they were already dead and in heaven. So, mega faith woman. What do we learn from her Number one lesson is just don't give up. She didn't give up. The disciples are like, send this woman away. She's bothering us. She keeps on being persistent, keeps coming. So what does it mean if your prayers are not answered immediately? Nothing. It means absolutely nothing if you pray and do not see an immediate answer. remember years ago, we, there was a church up in Nuevo. and uh, the, the church had, had peaked at like three or 400 people, and uh, it had just collapsed because of a number of things, and, and they were down to 18 people, and uh, I remember you know, they asked us to come up and they said, Look, we're praying and we're praying. We don't know what to do. God doesn't, we, don't, we know God doesn't want us to close the church, but we just don't know what to do. And, and we've been praying and we just felt like we should have you come and talk to us and maybe we should, you know, do, do, just, just come and talk to us and tell us what we should do. So we go up and preach. And afterwards, they ask questions. And, and you know, some really, really bad things had happened in the church. And, and they were just like vicious all right, they were, the, they were extremely untrusting, all right, and so they were asking all sorts of questions, and then, and then finally they, they, they said, you know, well, in fact, I answered questions for like 30 minutes, and it wore me out, so I had, I had my assistant with me, and I said, I said to him, you come up and answer some questions. The first question they answered, well, how can we trust you, and uh, he said, well, you know, we've got a track record, you know, and we've, we're, we're, you know, our wives are here. Just just look at our wives. Just look at us. You know, and everybody looks at the wives, right? And Jeannie is there, right? And you got to know. You, you, you know this. You never know what Jeannie is going to do, all right? You don't. So, so 18 people just go, woof, look at Jeannie. And this is what Jeannie does. She turns to them all and goes, I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely serious. <laughs> and, and literally, everybody cracked up. I mean, they just started roaring, okay? And then they just said, oh, okay. They said, here, here's the keys, have the church, okay? Literally, they just like, here's the keys, have the church. Do whatever you want, all right? So, so we sent a pastor up there, and about four years later, there were a 1,000 people in regular attendance on church on Sunday morning. Now, Their their prayer was not answered immediately, but how many know it was answered? And so often we think that things just have to happen, you know, just with the snap of a finger in a week or in a month, and if it doesn't happen right away, nothing's happening. But that is not true, all right? He answered and said, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus finally does answer her. But when he answers, listen, she gets the wrong answer. That is not the answer that she wanted, right? Her faith literally was denied. Jesus gave her a theological answer. I'm not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. One translation says it this way. I was sent to help the Jews, the lost sheep of Israel, not the Gentiles, right? She, they, Jesus is saying, look, I am, God sent me for a specific purpose to a specific people, to the Jews. And you're not a Jew. I'm not sent to you. My assignment is to the Jews. Right Now, first of all, Jesus literally appears to ignore her faith. Then he denies her faith. And look what she did. She came and she worshiped him saying, Lord help me. She came, she worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. Now, most of us, we would have probably like got offended. We'd have given up. You know, Jesus gave that theological answer and said, look, I am only sent to the Jews. Some of us would have probably said, you know, how dare you, you racist, you know, but what she did when she did not understand she worshipped. She worshipped. And I think one of the things we can learn from mega faith woman is this. That faith worships even when it does not understand. Now, it's in Deuteronomy 29.29. 29, it says this. That the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Alright? But it says the secret things belong to the Lord. And there are some things that you and I will not understand. If you live long enough, there will be things, and you will go, I do not understand that. I do not know why. I do not have a reason. Um, A number of years ago, I went to Bible college. I went with Doug Bergsman. He was my roommate, all right? And we we barely walked on campus, and uh, Doug saw this girl, Barb, all right? big. She's tall. She's like six foot two. Doug's like six foot five, dark hair, you know, and, and he saw her. Hey, look look, at her, look at her. Who's that? Who's that? You know? Well, he found out, you know, and then he said, Oh, that's Barb. That's Barb. He said, I'm going to meet Barb. I'm going to meet Barb. In a couple of days he met Barb. And then from then on, I wondered why he was even at Bible school. All (laughs) right. I mean, all it was was barb, bar, bar. oh, barb, barb. Barb and I are going to go pray. Barb and I are going to read the Bible. Barb and I are going to McDonald's. Barb, 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 barb. And I'm just like, oh, you know. It's just barb, 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 barb. You know. And literally, one night, <clears throat> and we're in this, we are in the littlest, dinkiest little apartment. It's got two little single beds, just a little room in between. You know, there's a little table, a little dinky stove, a little bathroom. Right? Well, at night, he, he dreams about Barb, of course. What else? You know. But he dreams I am Barb. Seriously, seriously. All right. And, uh, and, and he, he sleepwalks. So he gets up. And, and now I'm sleeping, but I know there is movement in the room. You know, if if, you know, if, you've, if you're married, you know your spouse will get up in the night or do something. And you know, you, you know something's going on, but you're just like, I'm sleeping. I'm not paying attention. You know, and you just sleep through it, you know. So I knew he got up, but, I've, I, you know, I'm just sleeping through. It. I'm just like, no, I'm sleeping, you know. Well, then he stands at the foot of the bed, and I don't know this. He told me later. And he thought, there's Barb. And he thought, well, it wouldn't be right to do anything, but I could kiss her. So he gets down on his knees right next to the bed, and I knew something was happening, but I thought he was, like, getting back in his bed, and he gets right next to me. He goes, Barb, I love you. Plants one right on my, right on my, I woke up when I felt his mustache. I hit him so hard, I knocked him all the way across his bed into the wall, you know? And I ran in the bathroom, got some soap, you know, cleaned up, and, and then he told me the story, and, you know, we laughed, all right? Well, like I said, I why is he even at Bible school, okay? So, so by the end of the semester, they're engaged, and I don't know, two, three weeks later, they're married, all right? And uh, they move up here, and uh, Doug was on our worship team. They had five kids you know, Barb, Barb, Barb. I said, "Why do you have five kids?" He says, well, "I don't like kids. I like Barb, 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 bar, you know, Barb, Barb, Barb. Everything's Barb, you know." So, 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 Barb and their daughter are going to the veterinarian. Somebody runs a stop sign and bam, hits them, and they're both instantly killed. And I get a phone call, and I, I literally did not know. I could hardly talk. Jeannie said, "What happened?" And and I could hardly talk. Went over to his house, and somebody said, why'd that happen? I don't have a clue. Do not have a clue. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Got to his house, hugged, hugged him, cried, prayed, and he said, what'd you do? We worshiped. Sometimes you just don't know what else to do. You know what you do? You worship. You worship. And she did not understand what was going on. But you know what she did? She came, and the Bible says she worshipped. When Job lost everything, he lost family, he lost possessions, he fell down on the ground, the Bible says, and he worshipped. He worshipped. He didn't know what was going on, but he knew this. The answer is not to run away from God. The answer is to run to God. Now, Doug, by the way, you know, several years later, got married um, 11 years ago, I think. We, we sent him up to Rockford. You know, he's the pastor at the Rockford Res Life. I think they run about 2,500 people on a Sunday morning. right? And he'll, he, I've watched people. Some people, something happens, they don't understand it, they run away from God. Other people, something happens, they don't understand, they run to God. And the ones that run to God, that keep worshiping God, they always come out ahead. You say, why did it happen? I don't have a clue why it happened. There are some things, the secret things, they belong to the Lord. We'll find out someday when we get to heaven. All right? Jesus answered and said, after she's worshiped, and said, It is not meet or right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. All right? Again, Jesus calls healing the children's bread. But really, with, when you think about this, Jesus is pretty hard on her. He, and you could say that he insults her. First, he ignored her faith. Then he denied her faith. And now he insults her. All right? You cannot get around it. Jesus called her a dog. And one of the first things my dad taught me is you never call a girl a dog. Right? Right? He says, You're just not, you are not one of the lost sheep of Israel. He called the Jewish people a Sheep, but he called her a Gentile dog. Now, a lot of people would have just been offended and left. Would have been scandalized. And by the way, this is long before anybody said, "Hey, dog, what's up?" Right. This was a long time before that. Okay, right. what do you do when your faith is insulted? All right, you pray for deliverance. Right, but nothing happens. It just seems to be ignored. It seems to be denied instead of getting better, things get worse. I mean, when, the, when Moses came to deliver the children of Israel, things didn't get better right away. They got worse first. First thing that happened is the king said, you're going to make the same number of bricks, but I'm not going to give you any straw. And Moses actually said, neither have you delivered the people even a little, even at all, all right? You know, you're in hard times financially, and you pray for God to provide, and you get laid off. You pray for healing, you go to the doctor and he finds another disease. You've got marriage trouble and you pray and your spouse files. You pray for a rebellious child and then the other one rebels, right? In Hebrews 11, it talks about trials of mocking. It seems like when you pray, things go the exact opposite. You think, you know what? I should pray for people to die because then they'll get healed because when I pray for them to get healed, it seems like they die, right? What would you have done if Jesus had insulted you like that. You know, some of us would have said, well, oh yeah, savior of the world. You're compassionless. You're supposed to be a spiritual leader and you're making racist remarks. But that is not at all what mega faith woman did. She said, true Lord, yet even the dogs, the little dogs, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What she did was she agreed with God. She agreed with God. And let me just say this. What Jesus was trying to do was getting her to press in with her faith. To press in with her faith. She's literally saying, I don't care what you call me. Faith in its most basic form is agreeing with God. Way back in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it says, And Abraham believed God. Literally, he amened God. He amened God. He said, God, what you said, so be it. He amened God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And really what faith is, in its simplest form, is faith is agreeing with God. Faith is amening God. No matter how unrealistic, no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how contrary to reality, faith agrees with God. With God. In the New Testament, it just says it this way. In the scripture, which fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. And again, back in Genesis 15 and 6, it is Abraham, amen, God. He said, God, I agree. Right? That's why Abraham is referred to as the faith man. He is the father of our faith. And she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Faith, mega faith, will reason. With God. She didn't contradict Jesus and say, Oh, I'm no dog. In fact, she's like, Bow wow. (laughs) Even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She appeals to his mercy. Same thing Abraham did. When God said, We're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, Well, won't the judge of all the earth do right? If there's 50 righteous, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, Brings it all the way down to 10. And then he left. But God, there weren't even 10 righteous. But you know what? Abraham still received the answer of his faith. His family was preserved. Lot and all of his house were preserved in the midst of a tremendous judgment that came from God. God says this in Isaiah 43. Put me in remembrance Let us plead together. Put me in remembrance. Literally, put God in remembrance of his word. The mega faith woman says, I don't need to sit at the table. I just need one crumb of mercy. That's all that I need. And Jesus turned to her and said, woman, mega is your faith. Be it to you as you have desired. So what do we learn from mega faith woman? Don't give up when it seems to be that your faith is ignored. Don't give up when it seems like your faith is denied. Don't give up when it seems even if your faith is insulted because you pray and things get worse instead of better. Do not give up. And when you don't understand everything that's going on, worship. She came and she worshipped. Faith in its simplest form is agreeing with God. And that's what she did. She said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She reasoned with God. That's what mega faith woman did. And that's what we can learn from her. In the fourth century, there were a great number of monks, particularly from the Eastern Orthodox portion of Christianity, that cloistered themselves out in the desert. And they prayed a prayer that became known as the Jesus Prayer. And it is literally the prayer that mega faith woman came and prayed to Jesus. She said, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They adopted it. These monks adopted it from the prayer that mega-faith woman had. And literally millions and millions and millions of Christians have prayed that prayer. In time of need, in time when they needed healing, needed deliverance, needed provision, needed a breakthrough from God. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.